0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What
1: a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job. Hasta la baby. Touchdown!
2: What's up, Browns fans? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Checking in for the first time, really for a live recording since I arrived down here in Texas, so I wanted to catch up on anything I've missed. It seems your Cleveland Browns are dealing with a bunch of front office situations where um, Kwesi Adofo-Minsa, Mensa is the current vice president of football operations, uh, and Glenn Cook, who has gone through a couple different roles, including uh, director of scouting uh, professional scouting um, you know for the Browns at the pro level obviously and an MVP of player personnel most recently are both getting opportunities a reminder that if one of those guys does get a job the Browns do get uh, draft pick compensation so that's something to keep your eye out for um, because those names are going to keep coming up the Browns do have a smart front office and when you have guys in the front office that help uh, uncover talent draft well other teams are going to notice and they are going to start to poach those guys away other moves Uh, Jeremy Garrett is the assistant defensive line coach, is leaving for Liberty, so he's taking a job there. And then obviously the biggest news is that the Browns' head defensive line coach, Chris Kiffin, is headed back to Ole Miss to take a job there on his brother's staff. So those are your biggest moves that I have been sort of paying attention to uh, of late. Um, not, Not anything groundbreaking, but something... Uh, something to take note of. Willie Harvey Jr. also signed to a reserve future contract. Herb Miller in the same reserve future contract. So uh, those are, you know, minor moves, but in the grand scheme of things, guys you want to see stay around, you know, stay around the franchise because that's obviously going to to matter to see some of those guys who can come off the practice squad, be a part of things quickly if uh, they run into a situation just like this year. And you Uh, You know, a lot of similar faces to keep around in the offseason, so good stuff all around. So, you know, we'll see if there's any additions coming. The D-line coach hire will be something to pay close attention to. Don't know anything about that right now, way too early. We'll see where that shakes out. Otherwise, I wrote that article on Baker Mayfield, and again, uh, if you have not read it, it's at the OBR. It is not meant to be a hit piece, more of, I have an understanding of the quarterback position through playing it at a minor level, and studying it analyzing it and I wanted to share what I thought went wrong with Mayfield both in the physical and mental side and that's just my opinion your opinion might be different than that but it's just my opinion and I thought I would share it with you everything I've gathered from watching copious amounts of his snaps tons of things surrounding the position and I just wanted to enlighten you with where he struggled he can do many things the article really was what he is doing poorly to illustrate and give you an understanding of what went wrong You know, this article wasn't geared toward what can he do well. We'll get to that later in the offseason of if he does find himself again, here's what he does well and needs to do consistently, that type of stuff. So we'll get there. You know, like I said, this piece trended negative because whenever you're going to show somebody what is the issue with the quarterback, you need to be able to, to understand that that's not going to be a bunch of positive stuff. So we'll balance that out. Try to balance it out by showing you some things he does well, And, uh, you know, as I talked about in the article, how he figures it out, hopefully the figure it out part can include more of the positive stuff on a consistent basis. So check back in later in the off season and we'll have that. Uh, we did just the other day, uh, 2021 season awards with Jordan Zerm. Check that out. We graded free agent signings from before the season and checked in on the 2020 free agent signings as well with Stephen Thomas. That was a fun episode. Make sure you check that one out. And today we have Cody Sweck, obviously another OBR colleague, and we're going to look at data that really determine the outcomes of the Brown season. So six data points that tell you how the Browns got to the point they were where they missed the playoffs, the offense was failing, whole bunch of data points there. We talk about a bunch of different things and uh, pull some really good data spots that, again, I think really do paint a good picture. It's going to be a ton of in the next few weeks looking back at 2021, really the next month, analyzing player performance, coach performance, all the above to try to wrap up everything we know about this season before we get to free agency and draft and all that stuff that, that we obviously – eventually get to so obviously looking back before we start looking forward now let's get over to our interview with Cody Sweck and share some data points
0: Cody welcome into the show what's happening man Jake thanks for having me on dude another brown season in the books and somehow I'm um, more bald than I was before the season and I'm not sure why but it I nothing really adds up there but I'm excited to take a retrospective look at the season and kind of look forward to 2022 off season. it's another momentous off season for this team. I know we say it every year, but we're getting to that point where this window starting to tighten a little bit and they have to start to capitalizing on these foundational players. They have on both sides of the ball and the GM and the coaching staff that are in place. So uh, exciting things to still um, look forward to with this Browns team.
2: Yeah. I think that's a fair way to put it where it's frustrating the way the season shook out. And it doesn't mean though that you have to wad everything up and throw it in the trash. They're, Parts of this whole thing. And that's why I wanted to, to bring Cody on. And if you guys have not, if you're not a website viewer and Cody's been on our Twitch, if you, if you do watch the Twitch, but if you don't go to the OBR's website, you don't really know Cody's work. He does analytics studies for us throughout the week. Uh, a couple of them getting together on Monday with our other, um, you know, uh, I guess we call him a coworker. Uh, Anthony Reinhardt does work with Cody. They do an analytics piece and then Cody does his own and it's well worth it. It's well worth your time, well worth your understanding of what the bigger picture is with numbers in the NFL. And really what I wanted to do was talk with you as, you know, we're wrapping the season up unfortunately 2 weeks before we did last year, and it's looking at to me big picture stuff here through the month of January before we really get into February where you start to cast ahead. So, I'm thinking like what are some statistics that you gathered throughout the year or when I brought this topic to you that you think defined the Brown season that they have to figure out, or maybe it's not something that you can totally figure out, Cody, but something that you can see flip on a year-to-year basis that could work in their favor to get them to the place they want to go in 22. So I'll let you hit lead off, and then we'll talk about your your stat as we go.
0: Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind, and I'm sure it's not a surprise to anybody, was how the passing offense performed this year the table was set for this to be the big year for that offense to take the next step. Baker was in his first offensive scheme consistently two years in a row. so the he's at the helm calling plays that tailored to his strengths and the strengths of the players in the offense. Two great running backs. They can catch the ball, a couple of receivers, a great offensive line. But just none of that came to fruition. And we, every weekend, week out, we pretty much saw an inconsistent, ineffective, kind of inefficient passing offense. If we look at how this team – performed through week 18, EPA per drop pack, they finished 21st at 0.013. If you look at success rate, success rate meaning the percentage of plays that generated a positive EPA, they were 24th at just 45%. And they finished just about average an explosive play rate at 8% and that finished 16th for the season. So it was it was a far cry from what was desired coming into the season. Granted, there, there were COVID implications, there were Rumored locker room drama things with the departure of OBJ, maybe a little bit of disconnecting the quarterback and coach that that's been shot down by some. Um, some have said it did happen, but it's just overall that offense didn't perform from a passing perspective as well as we thought it would have, uh, given the state of the offense coming into 2021.
2: Yeah, the the getting back on track there probably starts with some better personnel. I I would agree with that. You can you can say they need better personnel, but also recognize they still didn't perform what they needed to to perform, you know, how they needed to perform to get the job done with what they had. I don't think this was a Super Bowl caliber offense, but I think we can agree, Cody, that if they hit the plays that were in front of them and not just throws or decisions on throws, but catching the football, executing, they could have done enough to make the playoffs, which is, I think, about where we all were sitting like it didn't need. To be a Super Bowl caliber team this year, to still be a success, but there was enough talent in those important positions with wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, and you can include running back to still get into the playoffs, right?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that was the the, the benchmark this season was to was to get to where you did last year, get into that wildcard divisional round with the pieces you have, and, and then build upon that foundation that's been established. If you looked at the roster for the season, you could argue even when Beckham and Landry were on that team, that wide receiver was still a need. Uh, we might talk to, to talk about some different receivers down the line uh, today, but that was still a need. Uh, some other items that were still in need, some depth pieces here and there, but the offense just failed to perform as well as they should have. They didn't make the playoffs, just a, really just a handful of plays. If you look at this season away from really taking a few of those games, getting in the playoffs as a nine and eight or a 10 and seven this season. And, and like you said, it wasn't just, It's not a a time for a Baker bash right now, even though he he underwhelmed and underperformed. He'll be the first guy to tell you that. But yes, receivers were schemed open, but sometimes when they were even open, they were dropping the ball or they were running the incorrect route, the incorrect incorrect spacing between them and the defender or things like that, uh, that just kind of put this thing on its head during the season.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's it's it was a, it was a cumulative effect again we're going to write up all these different things all off season and everybody wants to blame 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 certain people you know there's there's definitely a pie of of blame here right and you take your you chart it all out but the the ineffectiveness collectively of the passing game when we we didn't really see that coming is the the the, me, the immediate focus of this offseason, If I could talk, that'd be great. You know, doing a podcast, if I could get words out of my mouth, it'd be, it'd be fantastic, <laughs> Cody. But like the immediate focus first year was raising the basement of the offense, elevating tackles, getting a tight end that was respectable and Hooper. Then you go into next year, it was kind of raising the element of the defense. What can we do to get these positions to be borderline surface level, so on and so forth. And then this year, it's about how do we fix the passing game more than anything else? And there's a, huge look at how they try to fix the passing game that is all encompassing right it's going to be every position uh, that is important to that is going to get a getting they're going to get a look and you might not like some decisions that are made there we'll see what decisions get made but that's an important stat and one that was key to share uh let's talk your next one which uh some of these i'm not sure if we're quite there yet some of them are a little luck driven but i think we're on third downs right
0: yeah, let's look at a, a red zone and third down defense this season. Uh, switching to the other side of the football, when the when opposing offenses got down within that twenty to zero yard yard line, uh, the, the what we call the red zone, the Browns allowed the sixth highest touchdown conversion rate this season at sixty five point four percent. Some of that, I think, was early on in the season where you could see every week the guys pointing fingers at each other. Nobody necessarily knew who was supposed to cover who. We saw those blown coverages and uh, missed assignments all the time. That got a little bit better throughout the season. I think the secondary started to mesh a little bit with the growth uh, of Grant Delpit and then the the outside corners who I think might form one of the better duos over the long term as long as Ward's extended and Greg Newsome on the other side. Uh, bringing back Troy Hill and the nickel. That's a pretty good secondary uh, looking down the line. We'll see what happens at safety this offseason. But that red zone defense kind of struggling at, the, at times this year, especially early on and giving up touchdowns instead of field goals, which is what we would like to see. And the same kind of goes with the third down defense. Um, if you look this season, the Browns allowed a third down conversion allowed over expected of 2.0%, which was 13th this season, great not, and not terrible, but early on this season, it, it was at the, the top five, top seven range where they were just giving up third down after third down after third down. Mm-hmm. It seemed like every week we were watching those games, it would be third and eight, a blown coverage, a missed assignment, a tight end running wide open down the middle of the field, and they were converting these downs, and that was flipping the field. So discouraging to the too. score. score it's it's The yeah. crowd's into it if it's a home game. The coaching staff, you know, we're getting punt return unit together, we're getting them ready on the sideline. And there's then, nothing. There's nothing
2: worse than that. It's the 14th <laughs> play of a drive, and you hear that it's third down. Oh, I know. oh my <laughs> god! Shut <laughs> that damn thing off. They it's every stadium the field. Too. Oh, it's yeah, so 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 the, I like are. that some places have like the foghorn or yeah, different things. I think Ohio State used to do. I don't know if they still do it or not. I'm just talking like local places I've been. The the bell that was like a third down hell's bells type noise, like it's Metallica just this, from the <laughs> yeah. bell tolls type thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's we can, the so Browns
0: could be down 30 points in the fourth quarter, and you still hear that same, it's <laughs> third down chant every oh, single week. But it is disheartening. That was the exact word to put onto it. When we look at how those, especially the first half of the season, how that third down defense was performing, it, it was disheartening and just, just, just encouraging as well. Um, So we talked about third down conversion, a lot over-expected. And they also on the season allowed the ninth highest EPA per play at point one two on third down. So that's something we can go next year as well. I think this defense – not to get ahead of ourselves. Uh, i will not gonna say overperformed, but I think we're kind of right where we thought they would be. It kind of I feel like they flipped the switch after that Patriots game. The defense really came along and started to play well. They're, they were getting pressure with that four-man pass rush with with Garrett and Clowney, especially on, on the edges. And, and the deep, the secondary was starting to come together. And I think Joe Woods was being a little more aggressive uh with, with the press man stuff and not playing as much quarters after looking at that data and see if that's accurate. But I think by the eye test, that's how it went. But the, the red zone and the third down defense were two items that didn't, I'm not going to say plague them, but definitely didn't help the team in winning games this season.
2: Have you looked at the offense in particular and according to some of those?
0: Yeah, we did. We did earlier this season. I don't have it up to date as of right now, uh, but we can definitely look into that. Maybe I'll put up an insider blog uh, uh, on the OBR that will show uh, how the offense was performing on third down as well. But I don't think it was great, I'm uh, remembering off the top of my head.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: I'm trying to look and see if I can find it based on. Let me see if I can find it based on teams. Okay, so third down. We're looking at. No, we're not looking at team record. We're going to go. This true media is a nice resource for this stuff. So we'll see if we can get team based on. All right, so the Browns had. On offense this year. Let's see. 126. They had 111 third and seven plus situations and they converted 25 of them so they put themselves in third and seven plus a ton on offense this year the conversion number was 25th 22.5 percent so that that's is amazing. not good on third down defense not good on third down offense and uh that's it that encompasses I, i've kind of said it throughout the year it was a stat that was not working in their favor all season long and you know, if we went, let's look at 2020. You want to? Let's get weird. Let's see the difference in, <laughs> in success. Yeah, the Browns had only 82 third down and seven plus attempts in 2020, as opposed to what did I say? 111. Yep. So
0: that, about that that 20.
2: 111 was sixth most in the NFL. So they had 82 was 25th most in the NFL. So that means that they were you know the seventh fewest. Uh, third and seven pluses and they and in 2020 they converted 26 of 82 so they converted the same number this year as they did last year cody which means this on 29 this
0: fewer fewer attention. yes exactly yeah.
2: so their 31.7 percent conversion rate in third and in uh distance to goal there is six best in the nfl last year so they go from sixth best to what was it, twenty third or something like that. So, yeah. yeah, that tells your tale. You know, twenty twenty they had fewer opportunities, but they did better with the fewer opportunities. Twenty twenty one they had a ton more, which is not good, and they didn't convert enough to make up for that.
0: So, well, it, I think it comes down to it's it's the it's the adage we've talked about for a couple seasons now is the offense doesn't flourish in those obvious passing situations, those third and seven and longer. The your data just said it, especially this season, that they, they're not successful in doing it. Yeah. They were last year, but I'm sure there's a myriad of reasons that uh, that are causing that. Um, firstly, my, probably with the inconsistency, inconsistency at the quarterback position, but there's other items too across the board that just, just failed to, to realize the potential.
2: It's uh, your third down stuff will always tell a tale every season. It's so hard to overcome a ton of third and longs, and then. You know, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not getting to many third and longs, you're going to improve your chances. And then you look at the holistic, you know, if you looked at not just third and seven, so say we went third in anything, any third down conversion. Okay. If we go to 2020, the Browns were seventh best on third downs, 44.9%. Okay. What do you let's see what they are this year? The Browns were 17th at 39.2%. So when they got themselves into shorter situations they were better but they just didn't get themselves into enough third and short situations where you could keep the run pass you know deception alive which is what they it's what they rely on so all right let's do our next one what do you got
0: uh let's stick with the defense uh let's talk about uh, a little bit of fumble luck and turnover Mm -hmm. to turnover differential let's do it when we talk about fumble luck we're talking about the fumbles you force versus the fumbles you recover so the Browns were right, or, right or on average this season and fumbles force was 17, but they were the fourth lowest in fumbles recovered at 29.4%. So that means they are a terrible fumble luck. If you look back to some of those games, like the Arizona game sticks out to me every time I think <laughs> about it, Yeah, was Kyler Murray standing back there and just either dropping that the snap was bad or he dropped the ball or something. And the Browns, I don't know if I got one, I don't remember if it was zero or one, but it wasn't a good figure. So it, it's something that figures into every game is when, when you're the defense and you can be opportunistic and you can get these turnovers and you can flip the field, give your offense a short field, kind of get you some momentum at varying degrees of momentum of what it actually does in a football game, but get yourself a short field, get some momentum and and just flip the game on its head and get some points on the scoreboard. And turnover differential is is something that is extremely important in the NFL. And I don't necessarily think it's talked about enough in a way. If we talk about fumble luck, let's look at differential now where the Browns were negative three in the turnover game this season, and that was twentieth. Now, if you look at the top ten teams in turnover differential, eight of them finished with winning records, and five of them were in the playoffs. So it's it's extremely important to be on the plus side of that of that equation. Yeah. Don't don't give the ball away, but take it away on defense, and and that's something that this defense didn't do well this season, especially uh, from a fumbles perspective.
2: Let's look at some more uh, intricate details here. The the Browns were plus one in the interception department on the year, which is good. They were negative 17 in the points off turnover margin. So teams who got Cleveland turnovers turned it into 17 more points than the Browns did on their end. Another important stat is sack differential sacks. You know, you sacks you are able to create and sacks you allow Uh, the Browns were negative six. OK, let me see if there's any other good little nuggets in here. I think that's it. So the negative three is 20th in the NFL tied with the Titans. So a little surprising there. The top 10, like you mentioned, the Colts tied with the Cowboys for the best differential and blew their opportunity with the Jacksonville debacle. Let's go back to 2020 because it's nice to compare, Cody, and look at, you know, what they did, what they did poorly and what they did well. So last year, they were plus five. Here's a key stat. The sack differential, they were plus 12. So that changes. God, the Steelers were plus 42 in sacks last year.
0: I saw somebody tweet something this morning that the Steelers have led the NFL. It was either in sacks or pressures for five straight seasons, and they're the only team to ever do that or something like that. It's unbelievable.
2: they, They generate a lot of pressure, man. I want to see what they did this year. The Steelers were sack differential, actually not nearly as good, 17- over on the sacks this year. 42 last year's bananas. Unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. Um, okay. So that's a little more insight into turnover stuff. That's where the Browns get caught. I mean, if I go if, real quick, if I go back to 2020, I would like to see what they created versus what they gave up um in the turnover side. Let's see if we can figure out. We would call this no, what would we call this turnover? So it'd be probably under Oh, would it be under offense or are all of them? What do we think? Passing, receiving, league stats. I just had it up. Where to go? Cheat sheet, big plays, drive rates. Um. Well, Cody, I might not be able to find it again. <laughs> now that we're on the spot, we don't need groups. Drives. I'm not sure. All right, no big deal. We'll come back to
0: that another time. What's your next one? Uh, let's stop with the doom and gloom and let's go to a little bit of the positive, right? Be a little bit cheerful. Uh, next thing is two guys I think they are going to have key roles uh, going forward in this offense and they're kind of foundational players of the offense, and that's Donovan People jones and, and David Njoku. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Njoku, a guy that maybe didn't have the big breakout season we were expecting, but I think he had a pretty darn good season this this year when he was targeted. If we looked at how he ranked among all tight qualifying tight ends, he, he was sixth in yards per target at 8.9, 14th in yards per right, route run at 1.7, and he was 18th in total EPA at 8.59. In my eyes, I know Esther Hooper's under contract. I don't know if he's gonna be here next year. I I I have my doubts as as to that happening. I think Njoku is the guy you would, you you just extend. You bring him back as tight end one in this offense in 2022 and for a few more years and let him continue to grow and use his athleticism and his catch ability, his catch radius uh to to the success of the offense. And then you bring in another tight end, another athletic guy, I like Harrison Bryant, as the role he is now, as the two or three, but mm-hmm. bring in another tight end to, to, to keep pushing the ball downfield and making plays for for the quarterback especially with the use of multiple tight end sets that this offense uses. So in is a guy I'm keeping my eyes on. I'm hoping he's here over the long term. I know he said this morning that that was his goal was to finish his career here. So we'll see if the numbers add up contractually for that to happen. Um and the other guy was Donovan Peoples Jones who I think we've both talked about this. I'm more than comfortable with him being the X receiver for this offense in 2022 with what he's done. It's a limited sample size overall compared to some of the other big-time receivers, but he, he did well when he was targeted. He was second in the first down percentage, uh, i.e. the number of catches he had that went for first downs at 80.6%. 80. He was fourth in yards per reception, 18.0, and he was 26th in EPA per target at 0. .033, uh, those figures among all qualifying wide receivers. So another guy, uh, tall guy, can make some explosive plays downfield. We saw that in a Cincinnati game, that first game after OBJ was traded. Uh, that can make a difference for this offense uh, over the long term and media term in this next season.
1: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 seven customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: Yeah, DPJ and, and Joku are guys that you need to be better next year. You just need to find some better role for those guys. I don't. I don't know. You know. I don't know what it is because they're going to obviously supplement uh, a, a bunch of the passing game in some way, shape, or form. But they have to find a way, as you know, to to get some sort of production out of those two and add in a higher rate of production. And then you add in whoever they draft and potentially sign. And then you got something from there. I did go back and find our 2020 answer. So um, I was really determined to figure out that in 20. All right. So let's go back to 2020. We're going to do this, Cody, as we (laughs) sign off. Did you have another one you had or is that all
0: Uh, for stat wise? Yeah. Yeah, let me talk about one more. Uh, okay. Just, just quickly. All um, right, so
2: let's real quick. Though I got to get this this margin right. Oh, the penalty margin is an interesting one too. Man, True Media tracks it all. Browns were on the positive side, sixteen plus in penalties last year. Wonder what they are this year. What do you think?
0: Much lower. This <laughs> could be my guess.
2: Ooh, the Bengals were negative forty four in penalties and made the playoffs this year. Unbelievable browns were still plus 14 that's amazing actually that's one of the best in the nfl 23rd in the nfl that's a little wild it is wild am i reading this whole thing wrong because why is pittsburgh minus 17 in penalty margin don't they get the most penalty luck in the nfl
0: yeah that's what our our
2: code nerd anthony Reinhardt puts together every week yeah that's interesting okay so 2020 we were looking at what the difference was in something. Do you remember what I was? It's so long now. I can't even remember it.
0: Uh, 2020 penalties were plus. Penalty margin. No,
2: we're talking about points off turnover margin. Oh, negative 17 last year. They were negative 10 last year, uh, the year before that. So it's not really been a great metric for them. Like Baltimore was plus 70 in 2020. Green Bay was plus 60 in 2020. I wonder what that looks like for the leaders in 21 feel like there were more like the Cowboys were plus 84 this season turnover. yeah which makes sense right (laughs) Green Bay was plus 76 in the Indies plus 52 the Cardinals are plus 47 so all right yeah something got to fix let's hit your last one
0: yeah last thing I want to talk about uh, was was Baker Mayfield and and sacks this season um if we if we look at how he was pressured He was pressured the ninth fewest among all quarterbacks at just 30.5% of all dropbacks this season, but he was sacked the fourth most with 43 sacks. If we break that down a little bit further, we want to know how many of those times was he pressured? Where did those end up in sacks? And that was 29.1% of pressures ended up in sacks, which was the highest rate in professional football this season. And all of that said, he had the third highest average time from snap to throw on pressured throws at 3.181 seconds. So that means a couple of fans could be at play. One, he's either just holding on to the ball too long uh, and, and not deciphering the defense and not finding an open receiver, or two, there weren't an open receiver. It could be a combination of both or either or on any given play. So that's just something I thought we should bring to attention. And if we look at also one more metric here his average time to throw on scrambles was 6.05 seconds, which was the longest in football. So all of these tell me that the protection was there this season. It was just a combination of one, the quarterback holding the ball too long, or it was just there's nobody open down the field, or was he dropping his eyes when he was pressured and bailing on clean pockets, all kinds of things that could have been happened there. Uh, but I think that's a worthwhile metric to look at was how often those pressures this season, not pressured a lot, But sack, one of the highest rates in the NFL.
2: Yeah, the stat that they put out about Mayfield and Burrow was particularly interesting, you know, where Mayfield is the same pressure rate, but the sack number that he takes off that pressure rate was immensely higher. So that is a huge part of where either you're getting rid of the football quick because you know you can't handle pressure or get away from it. Or you do like what Burrow and, and and some of these other guys like Herbert are doing where you get pressured, but you can still create off the pressure. So that's what they have to figure out. Cody, these have been really good. Um, I'm sure we'll dive into more. I'm actually, as I'm sitting here, I'm finding all of this penalty data that I didn't know I could find. So I'll have to touch on this more with folks. So we can look back at how this stuff is shaken, shaken out for the year and where it went right or wrong. So anyway, great stuff on third downs, red zone. Ah, uh, the sacks, uh, some other things, including turnover luck too. Very enlightening stuff that tells a story of why they ended up at uh, eight and nine instead of nine and eight or ten and seven, where they could have made the playoffs. So good stuff all around, Cody. Appreciate you, man. Well,
0: thanks, man. Take care.
2: All right, guys. Thanks for joining today's episode. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the week of pre-recordings I put out. Uh, pretty good guess. and then this one with Cody. I, I appreciate his time, obviously. Uh, very much as well thanks to you guys for listening and supporting as you do really good discussion around that Mayfield article so hopefully you guys enjoyed it there will be more to come on him throughout the offseason and plenty more of the uh, roster and potential roster additions free agency draft, all that stuff. If you have topics that you want me to hit, never never hesitate to shoot a DM over or whatever. I know there's a lot of DMs I get. I'm sorry if I don't always answer yours right away. Eventually I get to them. It just gets kind of overwhelming at times. There's quite a few. Um, and like I said, I'm sorry. I have to handle day-to-day stuff sometimes and don't always get back with the quickest speed. But I promise I will get to them and you know, all of your ATI questions as well. I try my best uh, while not... Uh, Not skipping out on the daily duties of father and work and all that stuff. So um, again, uh, appreciate your support. As I always say at the end of every episode through uh, this podcast, the Twitch or the website means the world to me. Have a great Friday, uh, a great kickoff to your weekend. And as usual, go Browns.